0: Sports blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, on the iTunes and Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you may listen to podcasts. Today on the show, I have my good pal Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio, which you can listen to his show every day of the week, seven o'clock Eastern, the Power Hour with Jake Asman, or on weekends for three hours, the Jake Asman Show. Again on sbnationradio.com or the SB Nation Radio app. And if you're listening to this podcast, maybe not on the Sports Blog New York podcast feed, but maybe the Team Left Jab radio feed. That's fantastic as well. You can find that on Blog Talk Radio and anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. Team Left Jab has partnered up with us here at SBNY to add some New York sports and overall sports content to their feed because obviously with Team Left Jab, Team Left Jab radio, they do a lot of boxing, UFC, a lot of fight stuff. They wanted some New York sports and some overall sports content, and I am happy to provide that to those listeners. So whether you're an SBNY listener, a Team Left Jab Radio Network listener, thank you so much for taking some time to listen today to me and my man Jake Asman, which we talked about a whole lot of stuff. So obviously I mentioned earlier he is down in Houston. He is covering all of the Houston sports team, including the Astros the Houston Texans, and now lately and exclusively the Houston Rockets. He's been front and center to watch James Harden absolutely demolish the NBA. Team by team, game by game, he's now at 17 straight 30-plus point games. How many of those have been? 40 just this Monday, 57. Chris Paul is out, Eric Gordon's out, Clint is now out, and he keeps on balling. So we get Jake's up and personal up close and personal perspective on the Rockets and James Harden also talk about his time covering the Texans this season and then maybe more importantly to you we talked a lot about the New York Jets and their hire of Adam Gase and Greg Williams and what McCagnan has to now do in this offseason moving forward with all this cap space and all these possibilities and a coach Defensive coordinator and quarterback set in place. It's time to show out, Mike McCagnan and Jake Asman, and I talk about just that. And then lastly, we finished off by talking about the big NFL Championship weekend we have ahead of us. We both believe that the four best teams are the four want, the four teams left standing. It's exciting. We got the Pats versus the Chiefs in Kansas City. Got the Rams versus the Saints in the Dome in New Orleans. It's gonna be a blast. But first, this episode was a blast. I had a great time recording with Jake Asman, which you can find him on Twitter, at Jake Asman, J-A-K-E-A-S-M-A-N. Also on Instagram and myself, at P. Kennedy with two Ys. So again, thank you guys for taking some time out of your day to listen to what we have to say here on the SBNY podcast. But for now, just hang tight. We're about to start the show. It was a great one. One of the more fun episodes I've done in a while. So sit back, relax, here is the SBNY Podcast with Pete Kennedy and my guest, Jake Aspen. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Blog New York Podcast with your host, Peter Kennedy. Joining me today is my man down in Houston. Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio, the power hour with Jake Asman, every single night of the week on SB Nation Radio. You can find that on SBNationRadio.com. Jake, happy to have you back on the show. How you doing, my
1: man? Now, it's great to be on with you, Pete. I love being on the podcast. I think last time I was on, it was right before the NFL season, and I actually was somewhat optimistic about the Jets' chances, and now, where the season has ended, there's a new head coach in place. At least we have a quarterback, but that was about the only positive development from what was a very disappointing year for the Jets, of course.
0: I think we were doing over-unders, you and I, on that podcast where we were talking about the Jets, Giants, and many other teams around the league. I think we were both a little too optimistic about the New York teams. I mean, uh, yes, think about, <laughs> what is it? I guess, well, 17 weeks, 18 weeks is the easy way to say it. Uh, maybe 19 now, I guess. That's the easy way to put it. 19 weeks ago, we thought the Jets and Giants— were competitive. We thought they had a real chance to do something. Uh, we were still unsure if Darnold was going to be the guy for a full 17 weeks, what we were going to see in McCown. We ended up seeing mostly Darnold, Little McCown. And in the other side of MetLife Stadium, we saw a whole lot of Eli, a whole lot of lackluster offense, and uh, underperforming with the win-loss column.
1: <laughs> you can say that again. And now, question marks once again with Eli. The Jets at least have zero question marks as to who their quarterback is, but they have question marks all over the roster. So, yeah, the state of New York football, not very good. But at least as far as the gains that we have coming up on Championship Sunday, we probably got the four best teams remaining in the game. So we have that to at least look forward to for sure.
0: Absolutely. And some people really like to hang their hats on the underdog story, and I'm always one to go against that grain because it is nice. You know, an underdog, maybe a team you don't expect to make it. It's really cool, but when you get the best teams in the biggest games, that's really what you want, and that's what we have in Saints-Rams and what we have in Chiefs-Patriots. Like You really couldn't get better matchups in these two championship games, and today me and Jake are going to talk about not just the championship weekend coming up. That's just, what, four or five days away now. Uh, We're going to talk about the Jets' new head coach hire in Adam Gase and also mentioning that you are a Houston guy now. You are covering all sorts of Houston sports from the Astros Texans to the Rockets. You're watching the bearded one, James Harden, up close and personal on a night-in, night-out basis. So we're going to get into that as well. But you had some good personal news, importantly, uh, a couple weeks back now. The Power Hour with Jake Asman on SB Nation Radio, a, a daily show.
1: It, yeah, it, i that's I'm exciting so excited news. Excited about
0: man. it. That's exciting news. Talk, talk about that show and what it's been like, because obviously you've been doing shows at SB Nation Radio for a bit now, but you have your daily show. It's Power Hour with Jake Asman every single day. Has that been a different sort of grind? What, what are you feeling about this show right now?
1: Well, you know, it's been a lot of fun, and you're right. When I got hired by SB Nation Radio last summer, you know, it was mid-July I started. I was kind of being used as a fill-in hoster in the week. Somebody was out sick. Somebody was going on vacation. A lot of times over the summer, you know this, Pete, working – and radio, people take time off. So there's always new hosts that are coming in and filling those time. And I got a lot of those hours, which was great, while I was covering the, uh, the Houston sports teams for our sister station, ESPN Houston, which is owned by uh, the same company, Gal Media, that owns SB Nation Radio. So doing some reporting for the Texans, covering the Astros' playoff run, now on to the Rockets, of course, while hosting on the side and hosting my own show on the weekend. And as of uh, last week, the start of the new calendar year, With our new lineup, I'm now on every night from 7 to 8 Eastern with a one-hour show during the week. Then I host a three-hour show every Saturday afternoon from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern. And it's a lot of fun, man. I mean, it's it's only an hour during the week. So whatever the big story is, we hit on that first. And we kind of go through the entire day of whatever people are talking about, whatever's trending in sports. And, you know, this is the best time to be on. I mean, my debut show was the Monday leading into the national championship game. And the following day after wildcard weekend in the NFL. So sometimes you wish you had four hours, but we make the best of the one hour and try and just fit in as much topics as possible. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm so, so thankful for the opportunity for sure. And
0: talk about the grind I and mean, you get your three hour weekend show where you get to really uh, digest everything and talk about it at a little more length. I'm sure that's really fun. And you're back and forth to all the stadiums out there in Houston, whether it be to watch a Texans playoff game or to watch our man, James Harden. Now, if I remember correctly, I want to touch on this quick. You actually had the over for the Texans on the season, which I, if I'm not mistaken, was like eight and a half, maybe, but one of those like mid-range numbers. And uh, I was a little skeptical. I was a little opposing. And after three weeks, I was about to have you back on and, and talk all this trash. And all, <laughs> all of a sudden, the Texans come out reeling on an eight-game win streak after their loss to the Giants. I guess they looked at themselves in the mirror and go, "How do we lose to this team? Let's let's turn this up." Uh, so you were right. The Texans had a great season uh, until their loss to the Colts in the playoffs. That must have been a whirlwind in the first four weeks, and then an absolute cruise after that. What, what was that season like for you?
1: Yeah, you know, getting back to the over/under, the reason why I picked him is because I just thought this team was better this year than they had been. I thought Deshaun Watson being healthy, we'd get a chance to see it this year and see how dynamic of a player he was. And uh, you know, just watching him, I remember over the summer at training camp and just seeing the fact that he was playing without a knee brace. That he looked healthy. He didn't look like a guy that you know tore his ACL last November and. And there were some question marks in that position. I thought the Texans offensive line would be better than what it was last year. It turns out it really wasn't. But they have the best receiver, I believe, in football on DeAndre Hopkins. They had a really good defense with the resurgence of JJ Watt being healthy this year. And, you know, so I thought going in they had a chance to be pretty good. Now when they're 0 3, you're thinking, all right, this team's gonna be six and ten, seven and nine. You know, you start own three, you know, statistically, you have a two percent chance to make the playoffs in the history of the NFL since conference realignment. So You know, when they're 0-3, we're thinking, all right, well, so much for, you know, winning the division. But it was funny. Going into the year, I thought this team was pretty good. And after they got through that 0-3 start, they started to find ways to win. And then they finally had a couple quality wins on the resume. They turned out to be a pretty good team. But you compare them to the great teams in the conference, they weren't at that level. They were good enough to be in the playoffs. But now what they do this offseason to take that next step in year three of Deshaun Watson, that's the big storyline here in Houston.
0: And what the, what a difference that a handful of weeks make. If you go back to last season, you said Deshaun Watson tore his ACL, what, in November? Carson Wentz in, what, early December, maybe, was it, if I remember correctly? And the difference in their seasons, just between two guys who went through brutal injuries and obviously grueling rehab process, Deshaun Watson came out ready to go. Carson Wentz obviously didn't start until, what, week three or four? And his season went awry after some average performances by the Eagles, and Deshaun Watson really didn't miss a beat after those first three weeks definitely definitely a cool story for him and hopefully Wentz now has that experience next season moving forward we we like seeing young quarterbacks do well and for um you know we gave you a little brag there I'm gonna take my little brag here because two two things I was actually very high on under Jaguars and under Vikings I'm not going to mention some of the overs or other unders that I picked but (laughs) those two right there those two
1: right there were good for me Well, there you go. I mean, listen. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once oh, in a while. Right, I'm not right, talking right. about you. Okay, talking okay. about me. My picks. <laughs> my picks were pretty pretty bad. I did have the Texans at 11 of five. They finished 11 and five. And my two other wild card teams were the Colts and the Ravens. Believe it or not. So I got both those um kind of right. I mean, the Ravens didn't win the wild card. They won the division. But I was pretty good with my overall predictions. My Super Bowl prediction is. Kind of halfway shot because I had the Chargers taking on the Rams in the All L A. Super Bowl and had the Rams winning, so the Rams can still win the whole thing. But I got the uh, the AFC participant wrong, so prediction wise, it was all right. It's always tough in the NFL.
0: That's a solid showing, if you ask me. It's a very solid showing. So good job by Jake Asman over there. <laughs> Thank uh, you. But before we get into those championship games, Rams, Saints, and Chiefs, Patriots, let's talk about James Harden because it's been absolutely spectacular watching this man. I mean. 17 games in a row with 30 points. A number of those have been 40 points. Obviously, he threw in a 57 point performance on Monday night this week. It's been spectacular. And maybe, you know, halfway through this streak, the conversation started happening on the podcast and the big TV shows of James Harden's style. And is it fun to watch? Is it exciting? Is it. Is it cheap? What is James Harden's iso ball, draw foul, step back three, just drive to the rim like a maniac and dump off alley-oops to Clint Capella, who's no longer with them, for a couple weeks? There was a big debate going on. It was like maybe halfway through this crazy streak. At this point, Jake, because I know where you stand. I think you know where I stand. I love this man. I think he's an incredible talent and so fun to watch. Are you hearing this in Houston, or do Houston fans just solely think, this is the MVP and I don't understand what you guys are talking about.
1: You know, Houston fans are very protective over James Harden. They really love James Harden, rightfully so. The guy's the MVP of the league. In my opinion, I think in your opinion as well, he's the front runner once again. I mean, at this point, I mean you mentioned some of the numbers, but like I talked about this even on my show tonight. You know, James Harden has scored 40 points in 14 games this year. That's a franchise record. He's done it in eight of his last eleven games. You know, you look at what he's been able to do, score him over 30 points. He scored 30 or more points in 17 straight games. That's the most anyone's ever had since the merger, breaking Kobe's record from 02-03. It's the longest streak anyone's ever had since Wilt Chamberlain did it twenty times in a row in 1964. I mean, we're seeing things from Harden that no offensive player has been able to do. And, you know, just the fact that he's able just to go out there and help the Rockets win in the last 17 games, Houston's 13 and four Harden's averaging over 41 points per game, the best in the NBA during that stretch. And, oh, yeah, also throw on nine assists per game, which is the second most in the NBA over that Spanish teammates love him. It's not like there's people divided in that in that locker room that think, oh, you know, he's putting up big numbers, but, you know, we're not getting our fair share. I mean, he has to do it. There's no Chris Paul. There's no Eric Gordon now. There's no Clint Capella for four to six weeks because of his ligament damage in his in his thumb. So, you know, he has to do this, which is the craziest part. Everyone knows that he's the focal point of the team, but he, they can't stop him. And if you have an issue with James Harden style of play, don't foul him. I mean, you know, I'm at all these games, and you know, teams complain about the foul calls Harden gets. Watch the replay; they're fouling him. I mean, there's a reason why he's going to the free throw line. I, I had never seen someone play at this level in my lifetime. And I don't know if I'll we'll ever get that opportunity again. You just, or I, I, I tweeted this the other night, watching him go out there and score over 50 against, uh, you know, uh, against the Bucks the other night. It's like we're watching history, night in, night out, with this guy. It's unbelievable, it really is.
0: And that Twitter you speak of is at Jake Asman. Exactly how it sounds, J A K E A S M A N. Uh, there's two things there with James Harden that he speaks very openly about. He says, A, if you don't want to see fouls, don't foul me. And what he doesn't get credit for is if you do sag off this guy, it's not like he's going to try so hard to be fouled that he's not going to just finish. Like if you sag off him, he's going to dunk on your head, he's going to put in an easy layup, he's going to hit a floater, or he's going to hit Capella or uh, whoever big is playing now after Capella on an easy lob or an easy outlaw pass to maybe someone like Austin Rivers or Gerald Green who are his probably second and third best players now, which is a little scary. But this dude is open. If you don't want to see me uh, shoot 17 free throws a night, don't foul me. Because the control that he has going to the rim or even stepping back from the rim is incredible. And goddamn, if other players can do what he could do, they would do it. Like, if other people could get to the line 17 times a game, they would try. But they can't because his control is on another level.
1: You're right. He's just playing at a level that you, you can't stop him right now. And, and, you know, once again, no Chris Paul, no Eric Gordon, now no Clint Capella. He has to do this for the Rockets to win, and they're winning games. You know, Kobe's teammates, they didn't love him all the time when he was taking a million shots and scoring, but Harden's, like, shooting percentage during this stretch, shooting 43% from the field and 38 and a half from three. I mean, he's just been ridiculous during the stretch, and, you know, he has to do it once again just because of the injuries and you know, it, it's funny. So they won last night and, you know, with Harden dropping 57 points in, tw- in 34 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back against the Grizzlies, you know, Mike D'Antoni's asked after the game about the performance and D'Antoni was more impressed with the fact that he was able to go out there and just dominate second night of a back-to-back than the fact that he was able to score 50. It's like, it's we're almost becoming like immune to Harden doing this, but it's like, you look at the numbers and how he compares to people in the history of the game, it's downright historic what he's been able to do.
0: And also just the types of shots that he takes. So most people who are three-point shooters, and even when you talk about someone like Steph Curry, most of their shots come from catch and shoot or off screens where they're running, catching the ball, and shooting. He's dribble, 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 step back, shoot. Those are difficult shots, and yet this dude is still shooting 38% from three on almost 13 attempts. Like That is absolutely unheard of his effective field goal, his true shooting percentage, all those advanced stats are now through the roof as well. Because uh, if you look at his regular field goal percentage, it's only 44, you say, wait a minute. But that's because most of his shots are threes and they're super challenging. And the free throws really do bug people. But you know what I have to say about that, Mr. Asman? Get over it. Because this dude, man, his handle, he, is he now in the conversation for best handle in the league? Because I know Kyrie usually just gets that thrown his way. And uh, Harden might not be as flashy a handler. But if you ask me, he's just as good at handling as as Kyrie or anybody else.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think he's in that conversation. The only thing about Harden that I think he gets a bad rap about and just watching him in person, you really notice it. Harden's not as bad of a defender as people try to make it out to be with him. Like, does he have some instances where maybe there's a defensive lapse or two? Sure, but I think every great player has that. Harden, when he needs to play defense, can play defense. And Harden, when he's guarding someone on the post, like analytics, which I know is huge with the NBA fan, like analytically Harden is one of like the best post defenders in basketball. So I just think another aspect of his game that doesn't get enough credit is the fact that when he has to, the guy could be a really solid defender. So, you know, I, I knew he was good. He won the MVP. Of course, you've watched James Harden that Rockets play on national TV a lot, but actually being down here and watching him night in and night out, you just really appreciate just the greatness of, of what he's been able to do so far this year.
0: So how nervous are Rockets fans now with, the injuries: Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, Clint Capella. Literally, when I'm when I said that Austin Rivers and Gerald Green might be the best two and three players on 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 the Rockets, like that's not really a joke. That's actually kind of accurate. That's a little scary. So are Rockets fans getting a little nervous now with the Capella injury here, or do they just have that much faith in the beard?
1: They know Harden will give them a chance, but I mean, there's no doubt losing Clint Capella is going to hurt you. Now you could win against Memphis the other night, like they did, without Clint Capella because. You know, you're playing a Memphis team that's not great, but Capella, what he brings as a rim protector defensively, what he brings offensively as someone that could kind of open up the offense, knowing that if you pr- play up on Harden, Harden can just throw a lob to Capella and you can dunk it in your face. They're going to miss that. And the good news for the Rockets is they're about to get Eric Gordon back. He might be in the lineup tomorrow night. We're recording this on Tuesday night. So, you know, Wednesday, the Rockets play the Nets and Eric Gordon should be back. Chris Paul could potentially be back. The following week, maybe at the end of next week. So, if they get CP back, they get Eric Gordon back. It's going to obviously hurt not having Capella, but at least you have some depth. I mean, they're playing guys that you probably have never heard of unless you're like the die-hard NBA fan. Shout you know, out, twenty plus out, minutes a night because they out don't have Daniel a House. Yeah, Daniel House. I mean, he just you know, got the let list go, goes actually. on and on when you talk about like the the guys that the Rockets are are trying to kind of put in the lineup and whatnot, but. You know, Brandon Knight, who's coming off major knee surgery, he's had some minutes in the rotation. There's just not a lot of guys on this team that, like, the diehard NBA fan would really know. But, you know, D'Antoni is making it work, and it it certainly helps when you have, you know, the MVP playing at this level. Another guy is Gary Clark, who, you know, got out to a nice start and is a nice rotational player, but he's a rookie, so he's going to go through his inconsistencies. And he got out to a quick start, then he was on the bench for 10 games because he wasn't really playing as well. So, you know, they're winning because of the fact James Harden is James Harden, and that's really what it comes down to.
0: And also, shout out P.J. Tucker, actually. P.J. Tucker, uh, most corner threes in the NBA, shooting a really good percentage for his career. I think he's over 40% right now, which is, which is really good for P.J. Uh, and 3 and D guy. Yeah, absolutely. And toughness, rebounding defense is incredible. And frankly, though, Eric Gordon really hasn't been good this year. In fact, he's been bad. Like He has not been the Eric Gordon we got used to over the past two seasons, but they're going to have to figure that out. But Jake, I got to ask you this. I, I promise my NBA outsiders, uh, Frank Villani and John Lucas Duffy, who do this podcast with me, to talk hoops uh, almost every week at this point. We did a little bet earlier on in the season when the Rockets were like 500, maybe even slightly below 500. It was early on, and we made a bet for a league pass subscription. So my bet was on the side of the Rockets. I still have faith in them. I figured that Chris Paul and James Harden could not let this go awry, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be in the thick of it. And I said, putting a league pass subscription on the line, that they will still win a first-round playoff series. Mr. Jake Asman, will you go on my side of the bet, or are you with my man Frank and Duff saying the Rockets will not get it done?
1: I still think they're going to win a playoff round. I do. I, I mean, if you asked me this, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I would be maybe not as confident in saying that, but I just think in the NBA talent wins. And this obviously depends on health. If Chris Paul and Eric Gordon and Clint Capella aren't there, then you know what? Maybe they could lose in the first round. I think they, they, that'd be tough, but if they're healthy, right. If they have most of their guys, CP, James Harden, of course, to me, they're good enough to win at least a playoff round. Are they going to get back to the conference finals again? Yeah, we'll see The The West is really good this year. And, yeah, you know, the Rockets obviously are, you know, always kind of holding their breath with Chris Paul's hamstring. That's the big question mark, and they need him. And if they get Harden playing at his best, and they get a healthy Capella, they get P- your guy PJ Tucker, three and D extraordinaire. I mean, they're they're good. This is a good team that hasn't had its full collection of stars basically the entire year. But you know, they're right there in the mix in the Western Conference, and I do think at the end of the day, they're still one of the F- upper echelon teams in the West.
0: So, are you willing to split the subscription fee with me for a username and
1: password? I'm in, man. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Let's go. I knew that you'd be on my side of this. I needed it. I needed some support here. I'm getting hit from both sides with those two over there. <laughs> but, anyways, Jake of SB Nation Radio, with me today on the SBY podcast. Uh, let's move on from basketball and move on from the Rockets, even though I could talk about what they've been doing for the past couple of weeks for another hour. There's more important topics to talk about, and those are. Actually, this is a New York topic. It's a big one, and I feel like you are a New Yorker. This is one of those moments when you're down in Houston where you kind of feel like you're missing out on a little something, not being here, when the New York Jets, your football team at heart, hires a new head coach. So let me give you the floor here. I know you've talked about it on Twitter, on your show, all that, but Adam Gase is the new head coach of the New York Jets. How are you feeling about this hire, and uh, what's the prospects looking like moving forward?
1: You know, it's so funny. I was on the air when this was breaking, right? It was the last three minutes of my show. I go on Twitter. I see you got Schefter dropping the news, Ian Rappaport. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is actually happening. Because this entire time when this search was going on, I said it on Twitter. I said it to people that would ask me. Because everyone knows I live and die, unfortunately, with the New York Jets. So and the one thing I said was, I'm okay if they hire Mike McCarthy because he's got the track record. I'm okay if they want to hire Matt rule. Because I think he's someone that is an intriguing hire, offensive guy has a history of building programs. What he did at Baylor this year, after he inherited it's just an absolute mess, they win one game his first year, they won seven this year. He just Matt Rule to me would have been fine. I was absolutely all in on any of those possible candidates, but to find out they interviewed Adam Gase, it was always I don't want Gase, anyone but Gase, anyone but Gase. So when they hired him, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I was really upset. I was. And it's not that I don't think Adam Gase could be a decent coach. I just think he was mediocre with the Dolphins. You heard the talk about players disliking him, clashing with the front office. All this just kind of raised the red flag to me that if you want to bring in someone with experience, you can't even compare the resumes to McCarthy and Gase. At least McCarthy would be the sure thing. You know what he could do. So I, I was red hot at the time. And but now after having you know a couple of days to kind of sit back on it, they're not going to change it. It's done deal. The best the Jets can do now is hope that, you know, Gase could make Darnold this great quarterback. We know we can. And obviously the Greg Williams hire, I love that. I thought they needed him. They needed someone that could run that defense. The one thing I'll say about Gase that I give him a lot of credit for is he said, I'm looking for a head coach on defense. That is by definition what Greg Williams is. He has a proven track record. The defense will be better. The fourth quarter collapses half the stop this loser's mentality that the team has that's got to go away. Cause that was a major issue under Bulls. And if Darnold's the real deal and Gase can get him great, I'm all for it. I'm, I would say I went from being really upset about the hire to I'm very lukewarm. My preference was McCarthy, but you know what? So be it. Now it's on Mike McKagan to spend a hundred million, get the third pick in the draft, right. And put a real team around Sam Darnold, because as a jet fan, it's the first time in my lifetime that we actually have some hope at the quarterback position. And Because of Darnold, I could live with Adam Gase, but now it starts right now. Mike McKagan, he's on the clock. He has to put a better football team on the field next year. He has to because nothing matters with Adam Gase if the roster remains as poor as it is right now.
0: That brings up a lot of questions that we're going to get to. And let me just say this. I was with you moving through this process that McCarthy felt like the guy for me. He has the experience. He was actually at his best when Aaron Rodgers was an up-and-comer and and not this Aaron Rodgers we got used to rolling out and creating plays uh, late, late in the clock and all that stuff. McCarthy was at his best early on in Aaron Rodgers' career. So I was there. But, like you said, that is the past. It has been decided that Adam Gase is the guy. Now, being the dual threat that you are, you know, doing the radio show, understanding how it works uh, there, and then also being in all these press conferences, whether, whether it be with someone like Mike D'Antoni or Bill O'Brien or down with the Astros, you know the different vibes that you can get in a press conference, especially a big one that's introduct- introductory. Th- those are sometimes weird. They're, they're tough for the coach who's not a media personality to go out there and sell himself. Now, a guy like Mike Tomlin crushes those situations. Adam Gase, clearly, as we saw on Twitter and Instagram – he became a meme in about four minutes, and that's just what, <laughs> yes, That's just what it was, right? But then Adam Gase, you know, he does his press conference. He looks like a freakazoid, looks like a robot, and everybody's like, wait a minute. Who did we just hire? Like, what's wrong with this guy? Can he like Can he even look at something for more than a second, which we'll get to our Twitter questions uh, in a little bit. But then he goes on the Michael Kay show, and then the next day he goes on uh, Mike Francesa, the two big, obviously, local talk shows here in New York, the two most important talk shows here in New York. And he's a completely different guy. He sells himself. He sounds like a human being. He talks about what he loves, which was basically football. And I got a vibe from him, not in the press conference, but on these radio shows, that he's a grinder. Football is by far the number one thing in his life. And his family almost wishes it wasn't as much. But he's okay with that because they stay by his side. His words, not mine. And he seems extremely passionate about building that, that coaching staff, which is what you mentioned with Greg Williams. That's an absolutely great hire. This dude was the head coach of the Browns for – what What were they when he took over? Three and something and uh, they went seven he and eight one?
1: Two. Yeah, I mean, he, Greg Williams did a great job. And, and just, Pete, to your point, I'm so happy you brought up the K-Show interview with Gase. And I know Big Mike had him on, I think, today as yeah. we're taping this on a Tuesday night. I didn't
0: hear the Francesa and one, but I heard the K-One.
1: I heard the K-One as well. I did not hear Big Mike yet, but we're both FAN guys at heart. So I, I'll get to it, Mike. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. But – I'll download the app, but, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get the app, all right? $8.99, the whole thing. But I'll say this. Adam Gase's interviews on Mike, I'm sure, and what I heard from the case show, it's night and day. And, and what you said is so true. Don't judge a coach on the press conference. It's funny. I get it. The eyes. Of course, the Jets hire a coach, and you know he's, I, he's a meme instantly. I get all that. It's hilarious. But at the end of the day, ju- ju- winning the press conference does nothing. It doesn't do anything. Win games. All right? We're all frustrated Jet fans. We haven't seen them in the playoffs in eight years. You know, I, my entire life, I'm tired of the Jets being a laughingstock. All right? Win games. And if this guy can help them win games, I want to be wrong about him. Ho- I'm hope i rooting for him. See, unlike some people that work in sports talk, it's they want to be right about their opinion. I want to be wrong. I want Adam Gase to be the greatest coach ever. Believe me. I have my doubts. Yeah, But... I'm not judging him based off a a press conference. And I think Greg Williams was a great addition to this coaching staff retaining Brant Boyer um, as the special teams coordinator was a great move because say what everyone about the Jets. The one thing they had last year was the best special teams in the NFL. So keeping the coach that was a part of that was a major win. And, you know, you have Darnold, you have the cap space, you have the third pick, let's hit the ground running next year and be in the playoffs. Why not? I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. And, You know, I I think every Jet then should, you know, have that mindset that it's it's enough of the losing, time to win. And Adam Gase, you're the guy. You've been in the division now. Your fourth year as a head coach in the AFC East. Year five of Mike McKagden. The Jets better win next year, period. That's it.
0: And if you were questioning Jake's inner New Yorker, no more need to question. There it was, baby. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm talking about. That's some Jet fan pride right there coming out.
1: I'm just, I'm so frustrated with this team. It's just every day. And like being down here in Houston, I just, everyone comes up to me and they just talk, want to talk about the Jets because they just see the passion. It's just like, they don't understand. It's like, <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's painful. It really is painful. And I want to see the Jets win. I want to see the Jets win for guys like Joe the like the like real <laughs> Jet fans whose entire lives have been misery outside of a handful of years. It's time to win. You know, every team in the NFL seems to be able to go out there and have this magical season and get it done. You know, why not the Jets? And now that Darnold's in place, who I, from the beginning, felt is going to be a star, there's no reason why they can't do it. Now it's on this GM to get it right.
0: And God forbid the Jets make some splash, some splashes in free agency, and and then the Nets make some splashes in free agency. Our other friend Evan Roberts is gonna have, he's gonna have a heart attack on air.
1: <laughs> Evan Roberts, he's ready for the Nets to win a playoff series. <laughs> According to Kenny Atkinson, they're not there yet, but the Nets have turned it around, baby. I'm excited to watch them play in person Wednesday night. It's gonna be fun.
0: And I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the press conference and like how overrated it is to win a press conference to do the New York juxtaposition right here. We've seen the Knicks win press conferences for years.
1: Yeah, Phil uh, Jackson won the press conference, too. How did that work? Derek
0: out? Fisher was like, ah, oh, this guy, man. He he was you know, head of the Players Association, stand-up guy, champion. He was gone in a year and a half. He couldn't win a game. I mean, granted, just, his, his team winning, stunk, the, but, like, come on.
1: It. it means nothing. I mean, Rex Ryan, as much as I love the guy in his first two years, were some great moments. I mean, Rex Ryan said he wasn't going to kiss Belichick's rings. I, I mean, great. It, like, it was great <laughs> at the time. It was fun, but it, it didn't lead to a championship. Like, it, I don't care what you do at the press conference. Bill Belichick has the worst press conferences out of anyone in sports, you could make the argument. Who cares? They, he's got five rings. It doesn't matter. Just win games. Like, the, the, it's. I, I've seen serious people try and, like, use the Adam Gase press conference, as, like, a a knock against the guy. Who cares? And if you want to know more about the guy, do what Pete just said and listen to him on K or listen to him with Francesa, and you actually get a chance to learn more about the guy and not, you know, talk about the guy's eyes, which I can acknowledge it was hilarious. It was hilarious. But, (laughs) like, I I want to see them win games. I don't want to talk about the coach's eyes. I don't care.
0: Oh, man. It's really great. That's New York sports in a nutshell, though, you know, because half the people are like me and you and they're like, come on, like, look past it. He's a real football guy. Like, he's a grinder. He's like a nut with film and all this stuff. And then half the people are like, you see that guy's eyes. He's a psychopath. Like it's just The perfect, <laughs> the perfect New York storm that we got with that Jets press conference. Uh, but we got to talk about some other things with the Jets. The big picture questions here. Um, that Adam Gase will obviously have a hand in, but it really does come down to more of Mike McCagnan. So, I got a question from a friend of the show, fellow podcaster has been on the show as well, Tom Hillier, Fantasy Football uh, Podcast, run up the score. He said, for the Jets to be able to afford Le'Veon Bell, is that a blessing or a burden? And I thought it was a very interesting question because if you think very simplistically, if you have a chance to get a guy like Le'Veon Bell, do it, right? You have the money. Jets have a ton of cap space. Go for it. But, as we've seen now in the NFL, what do star running backs mean? What was the Steelers' offense able to do without Le'Veon Bell? So where do you land on how to use this cap space, and would you like to see the Jets go after a guy like Le'Veon Bell or even his former teammate, I'll call him, in Antonio Brown?
1: A great question, and I have debated this with Jet fans for the last couple months. I, to me, we'll start with Brown because I think this is an easy, an easy decision. No, you don't go after Antonio Brown. A couple things on him. He would cost a lot to acquire. It's not like the Steelers are just going to give him away for, for nothing. You're not trading the third pick in the draft for him and the Jets don't have a second round pick. So what could they really give up for Antonio Brown? Two third round picks for a 31 year old wide receiver that has character issues that just derailed the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. That's the guy you want to acquire. I just don't think it makes sense for the Jets, but Le'Veon Bell to me does make sense because one, he's a free agent. Two, you have all this cap space, you have to spend it on somebody, and three, Sam Darnold is on his rookie deal, so everything the Jets do should be to surround Sam with as much talent as possible, and if they could get Le'Veon Bell and only have to guarantee the first two years of his deal, which by all accounts, that's probably what it would take to get it done, I have no issue with bringing in Bell, because I don't even just look at him as a running back, I look at him as someone that... Could also be a receiver. The guy would routinely have seasons where he'd have over a hundred catches. And this team needs talent. You know, Robbie Anderson is here. They re-signed Quincy and Nunwell long-term. So okay, one and two, not bad. Still probably need a better number one wide receiver. But those guys aren't bad. Chris Herndon is a solid find by McCagnan in what the fourth round. Solid tight end acquisition there for Sam. The Jets need playmakers, and Le'Veon Bell could help you out of the backfield. He could help you as a wide receiver. If you got to overpay for him, you overpay for him. You're not paying Sam Darnold any money. That's why the Rams could pay Todd Gurley early. That's why you look around the NFL, you could pay your great players all over the roster because you're not paying your quarterback any money. So Le'Veon Bell, to me, I understand he's not the perfect player, and he has had issues in the past. To me, he's a free agent. It's just money. You have the money. you got to spend it anyway. Why not? That's why I think Le'Veon Bell would make a lot of sense for the Jets
0: and i really like your point there talking about the rams and how they're able to you know pay all those defensive players and Todd Gurley Uh, And if you think about the four teams left in this playoff, you really have two sides of the spectrum. One side is the one you just mentioned, Jared Goff being in his third year, Patrick Mahomes being in his second year. Those guys are making nothing compared to everybody else in the team. You can spend heavy where you need, whether it be D-line, defensive back, linebacker, or O-line or playmakers. It doesn't matter. Whatever you need to spend on, do it now while your quarterback is controllable and cheap. The other side of the spectrum, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, obviously their salaries are much higher but they are past that point of the crazy Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers super contract where they took the pay cuts because they realized, hey, I kind of need some help around here. Like, hey, I'm kind of loaded anyway. I don't need it. So you have two sides of the spectrum. You have the veteran quarterbacks who decided, I don't need to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league right now, and then you have the two guys on rookie contracts still. And while the Jets have Darnold on that rookie contract, it's your time to strike. The Eagles last year, even though Foles ended up being the guy, they did that based off of Wentz being controllable. So it makes sense to me. You have that money, you got to spend it. And McCagnon's oh. job, man, it is looking uh, more, more. I don't want to say up in the air because you got to see what he does here. But this is do or die for McCagnon.
1: No doubt. I mean, this is it for Mike McCagnon. He's in year five. I mean, the guy, quite honestly, I wanted them gone this year. I, I wanted the Jets to completely start fresh with a brand new regime. You had the salary cap space. Thanks for Darnold, Mike. We'll see you later because this roster, quite frankly, is not good enough. Look at the skill position players this guy has tried to draft. Chad Hansen, Darius Stewart. Half these guys are out of the league. Christian Hackenberg was a second-round pick. He's never played a down in the NFL. That's one of the most uh, most mind-boggling picks in the history of the NFL draft to take someone in the second round, and he never plays a snap for you. So, I mean, we can keep going with McKagan's track record, free agent signings. How did the Revis contract work out? How does Tremaine Johnson look after one year? There were a lot of strikes against Mike McCagden. He's lucky, and you give him credit because he's the GM, so you're going to blame him for the mistakes. You give him credit for what worked. You traded up to three. Darnold fell in his lap. He took Darnold. Great. That bought him this extra year. All right. You have the third pick. Let's go. $100 million in cap space. Let's go. There's no excuse for the Jets not to be a team that's competing for the playoffs next year. In a weak AFC, in which we see every year a team go from worst to first, an aging Patriots team, if the Jets cannot put themselves in position to be contending for the playoffs next year, I mean, they're never going to do it. It just, it's something has to change, and it starts with this offseason. This is, I've said this before, to me, this is the the most important offseason now in the history of the franchise because they finally, for the first time since Joe Willie Namath, have a quarterback that they know is going to be there for the next, what you hope, decade plus under center.
0: Yeah, and football is obviously different than any other sport uh, when it comes to the draft. If you think about basketball, like Luka Doncic is an absolute outlier where he's actually the best player on a near 500 team right now. Uh, in the NFL, you have playmakers and game changers all up and down the draft from from the top of the draft, where you can find a couple usually, to someone like Philip Lindsey, who was undrafted and made the Pro Bowl. So the NFL draft is obviously still hit or miss like any other one. But if you do hit, those guys make it an, imp- an impact right away, as we saw. First, Saquon Barkley putting up one of the best statistical seasons for running backs. Just period. Not even just for rookies. So... It's possible for the Jets to use that third pick, whether it be a pass rusher, whether, whether it be an offensive playmaker, to really find a game changer here in the draft. And it's do-or-die time for McCagnon. I have one more question here on Twitter that I want to get to you, um, and this brings us back to that true New Yorkian spirit. So, pressing New York Jet question here from Scott Wagonblast, also friend of the show. He said, can Adam Gase look at anything directly for more than a second?
1: always with the eyes man adam Gase's. listen if the jets are winning we'll have some fun with the eyes until they start winning games i'm just i'm trying to just tune out all the eyes jokes because like i it's funny i walked into work today to do my show and i kid you not four different people have come up to me to make to ask me about my thoughts on adam Gase's eyes as if i somehow have like some sort of sports take on the guy's eyes they look weird i don't know what to tell you all right? Hopefully they win games. If they win games, so you can, you can, I don't care what type of eyes he has. If they lose, then you know, fair or unfair, it will be poked and used against him. But, yeah, to answer the question, I, I mean, I don't know if he could look at anything, it seems like. That's why he wears a hat all the time, I
0: guess. And, and the theory that uh, we found best here was also by Scott Wagonblast himself. <laughs> he said that uh, it's possible that he's actually Medusa, and he was just looking out for everybody in the press conference, didn't want to turn him into stone. I think it's a good theory personally
1: it's a good very good theory I like that you have you have some smart listeners of this podcast
0: <laughs> yeah for sure and we love them here on the SBY podcast uh, <laughs> and, and continuing conversation that we're not going to get into right now unless you have a hot scorching take for me um, but the Saquon Barkley versus Sam Darnold discussion will continue so to all the Giants fans who are like no I'm happy I have Saquon he was the right pick look at what he did on the field Sam Darnold may not be that good or for the people who are saying like me that the Giants should have went after Darnold. This conversation has just begun and I don't know which way it's going to end. Obviously, I'm pro Darnold here, even being a Giants fan. But the one thing I could say undoubtedly is that this conversation has just gotten started.
1: Yeah, you're right. Listen, I have been on the record that the Giants will regret not taking Sam. Even Barkley's a Hall of Famer. If Darnold's very good and helps the Jets win a championship – and the Giants struggle to find the replacement to Eli, then the Jets are going to be the ones that are going to come out looking great here. I mean, it's an ongoing debate. We don't know at the end of one year. But, you know, a year later, the Giants went 5-11. and 11. They have no no idea what they're doing at the quarterback spot. This draft class, by all accounts, is weak at the quarterback spot outside of Haskins, who, at this point, we don't know if will be there at 6 for the Giants. So they might have to trade picks if they even want them to move up. Eli is going to be the quarterback, I think, until, you know, his age 57th season, if you talk to some Giants fans, because apparently Eli Manning could do nothing wrong and that no one can seem to acknowledge that he's not the same player he once was. doesn't mean you can't win games with him or he can't have some nice moments. But I mean, the idea that it's always the offensive line and Eli has nothing to do with the fact that five of the last six years, the Giants have finished with a losing record. That to me is laughable. But hey, Giants fans, keep telling yourself that Eli has nothing to do with anything. Uh, I'll play along.
0: All right. And then also, you know, Odell Beckham, cancer, I can't play on a winning team, blah, ba blah, blah. why'd you pay the yeah, guy? It's all his stuff. fault too. Yeah. Uh,
1: amazing how Giants fans like just like the scapegoat things. And it's like it, it, it's so it, it's such so much more than just one individual thing, but it's it, we could be here all night talking about New York fans and their passion.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, which we are—we are them, but we also aren't them. I, I like—I think—I so. think that's fair to say, right? We—we
1: like we are We're rational. I mean, there are some people that are—you know—they don't really think, and uh, I think there are some intelligent sports fans, but there are also some jabronis that they don't. <laughs> so, yeah, it is what it is.
0: Uh, I love it. I really do, and I won't blame Odell Beckham. You know, if if the quarterback was good, the O line was good, and the defense wasn't, you know, crap in the bed in the second half of every game, then maybe I would say, you know, maybe this Odell guy isn't doing something right. But until all those other things are great, I ain't putting the blame on Mr. OBJ. But Jake Asman, uh, at Jake Asman on Twitter, and also underratedly on Instagram too. With a lot of uh, people in the sports media world, we always are so focused on Twitter. But if you're interested in some good press conference moments, some very great pictures of you next to James Harden during a press conference, <laughs> then definitely hit up Jake Asman on Instagram as well. Also at Jake Asman. Uh,
1: but- you know what people really like, Pete? They like the media spreads I've been doing. Yes. So like anytime I post like a press conference, you go to like, if you cover a game, usually there's like a media dining hall. So in the pregame, the, the team, the Rockets, like you pay for like seven bucks, you get like a buffet spread or whatever they're serving. NFL is the best. since There's only eight home games they serve you free food so you don't even pay it's just like an unbelievable like selection of like food items to eat in the free game so i would always like snap or instagram story like the the media spreads the food spreads and the press boxes and people seem to love that so if you like food and you want to see what fat beat riders eat at games <laughs> yeah, instagram is your go to for that
0: if you want to see close ups of deandre hopkins jj watt james harden chris paul and the media spreads during the game Jake Jake asman on instagram right there it's great stuff. And also, if you want to listen to Jake Asman and you like what you've been hearing throughout the the show so far today, SB Nation Radio, SBNationRadio.com. dot uh, Go on the app. You can listen to his show every single night, seven o'clock Eastern time. The Power Hour with Jake Asman. And you, if you like what you're hearing so far today between Jake and I, Sports Walk New York Podcast, iTunes. Do the whole rate review thing. You know what you know what it is. Uh, but we got some championship games to talk about. This is this is it too. This is some big some big stuff here. When we talk about the championship weekend, we have. The GOAT Tom Brady against the guy who a lot of people are putting in the Hall of Fame already in Patrick Mahomes, who is probably going to be the MVP, with a prolific offensive coach who can't get over the hump. Storyline is set up. The weather is going to be probably horrible. And then on the other side, we're going to have no weather inside a dome with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. And then, uh, you know, Sean McVay, offensive genius, with a whole bunch of characters spread across the Rams offense and defense. So first question to you, Jake, what game are you more interested in or what game are you uh, more excited to watch?
1: Um, it's a very good question. I think the game I'm more interested in is the Patriots and Chiefs because I hate the Patriots, as you know, so I'd be actively rooting against them. This time of year, we've reached the stage where it's hashtag anybody but New England. That's the team I root for in the postseason. So I will be actively rooting against the Pat. So that game interests me just because I don't want to see them go to another Super Bowl. because I mean, we don't need that. Nobody needs that. But I think both the games this weekend are, are both the games on Sunday. I should say are awesome. I mean, you get two great two four of the teams remaining. I think they're the four best teams. We talked about this at the top. You know, you look at the scoring that both these, about all four of these teams have, it's the top four scoring offenses going at it. And you know, both the matchups on Sunday featured a game that we saw in the regular season. That was awesome. Rams saints. First time they played was an absolute shootout 45, 35, the final in new Orleans. And who doesn't remember that chiefs uh, Patriots game where 43, 40, the final score at Gillette, where it came down to Brady, taking them down the field for a game winning drive to put them in field goal range. So, you know, as far as the matchups, I mean, if you're a football fan. This is about as good as it can get for a championship Sunday. So I'm pumped for sure.
0: It's going to be fantastic. I almost kind of wish the weather wouldn't be like horrible in Kansas City because as fun as it is to see some snow on the ground or to see the, the breath coming out of the helmets on every single snap, there is something really nice about a clean-cut game with some good weather where you can just watch the best players be there, be at their best. So I'm a little bit upset, but that's also kind of not fun. That's not a fun take. A lot of the fans love to see the snow, so I'm not going to get upset about that.
1: Um, I heard a great take today from a radio host that it's going to be too cold in Kansas City, so home field advantage won't really matter as much because the Chiefs fans are going to be too cold to cheer. That was uh, actually a legitimate take by somebody.
0: I know exactly who that take was from, and I also have a tweet that I was saving because I just saw it as we were speaking uh, that I was going to wait until the end of the show to bring up to you, but it might be the perfect time here. Was that Colin Cowherd?
1: It, uh, let's just say it was Colin Cowherd. It, 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 may, it very well might have
0: been. It may, it may or may have not been Colin Cowherd. Well, it was because I was watching his show, which I do pretty much. pretty much. Every I actually day. do like
1: Colin a lot. I just thought that was a ridiculous take but oh, whatever.
0: Absolutely. But, you know, if you watch his show all the time and you appreciate it, which I do, like you kind of understand he picks a side and he does whatever he, he can to make that side sound correct. But on the other side of Colin Cowherd, and sorry to go backtrack to the Jets here for a second – I just saw this tweet from him that you might like very much. You ready for this? I'm ready. Adam Gase plus Greg Williams plus Sam Darnold. Anyone know where I can pre-order my 2020 AFC Championship tickets at MetLife Stadium?
1: <laughs> from from Colin's lips to God's ears, please, go. please. I I wa- I would that would be that would be one of the I would fly if I'm still working in Houston and hopefully I am or I'm back in New York working with you, Pete. Um, like I hope that I am in a position where in 2020, the Jets are hosting the AFC championship game at MetLife. I will be in the building. I don't care what it takes, but I, but we'll see. Can they, can they win eight games first? I mean, can we go above 500? I mean, please. Like I, I love Sam Darnold as much as the next guy, but like it, we're talking about the Jets here. So let's, let's, let's relax everybody. But listen, Alan, you want to say that? God bless you, my friend.
0: Well, between the ski in Kansas city and Sam Darnold, uh, Colin Coward is definitely a little hot on his takes, but I love it. All right, let's go. Let's get back to these games. So, we'll talk first about that game in Kansas City, and that includes the Patriots, obviously, and Tom Brady and their underdogs. It's not something we're used to saying come this time of year, but they are on the road, and there is statistical evidence saying they're obviously much better at home, like most teams. And most of their roads to the Super Bowl have been via Foxborough. So this one's a little different, and that's why the spread is minus three Kansas City. When you saw this line, if you saw this line, which I assume you did, a little shocked, kind of what you expected, which way you lean in it so far?
1: You know, I, I was not shocked. I thought the line probably would be Kansas City minus three. I mean, you know, this Vegas normally gives three to the home team, the Chiefs are the home team. The first time these two teams played, it was a three-point game. Both teams have great quarterbacks. Both teams are battle-tested now. Um I wasn't surprised by the line. I'm leaning Chiefs because they're home. But if New England wins, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, the I, I, and I laughed when people said, oh, New England, they're beatable. They're not as good. The Patriots dynasty is over. I just laugh. You got to laugh at these fools. Until New England's done, they're relevant. They're in the mix. I mean, the amount of people that picked the Chargers last week was disgraceful. My best bet of the NFL season was New England last week. Now, anything could be that easy but I made some nice shekels because I knew New England was not losing at home in the divisional round. It just it doesn't happen. So do I think New England can win on Sunday? Absolutely. I'm just hoping Mahomes is the difference, the fact that the game is on the road where the Patriots have been 3-5 and five on the road this year. Combine all that, I lean Chiefs, but I really don't feel good about this game one way or another.
0: So there's something I've been kind of you know working out on this podcast or saying on this podcast, and I don't know exactly – if it's you know scientific or unscientific or what, but there's obviously the rumblings of Andy Reid's shortcomings in big games, and I want to get your take on this. So obviously with Alex Smith, they have had a lot of struggles in the playoffs, and now Patrick Mahomes is here. So you, on one hand, you want to think about Andy Reid's offenses over the past, like whatever, five years he's been in Kansas City or maybe longer than that. They've been awesome in the regular season. There's always a point where they slow down a little bit, and obviously there's struggles in the playoffs. My take in about week 4 was I'm not just going to give this throne to Patrick Mahomes because of Andy Reid's shortcomings, but if there's a quarterback in this league who has the extra juice to kind of make up for it or when the play uh, the play calls a little comes up a little short, you need a quarterback to make the extra play. I think Mahomes could be that guy. But how much stock do you put in the easy take of Andy Reid just hasn't won the big game, or Andy Reid can't win the big game? Do you buy into that? Do you think Mahomes is the answer? Where do you lie on this?
1: Yeah, I I think there's something to it, but it was also Andy Reid can't win a home playoff game, and the Chiefs had not won a home playoff game since 1993, and that's that streak broke last week. So that I you know I, I'm friends with the Chiefs fan that ho- Alex Gold of the uh, the Gold Standard, he's on from 10 to 1 Eastern on on our network. Nice plug. And, a little, little plug there for you. <laughs> but uh, Alex is a diehard Cheats fan. He's flying home on Saturday to go to the game on Sunday with his family. He's had season tickets forever. He is, you know, he has said, expect the Chiefs to lose. Expect the Chiefs to lose. But he always said, if they win the home playoff game of the divisional round, he thinks they can win the Super Bowl. They needed to get past that hump. And I think because they got past that hump, and Mahomes played as well as he did, I, I don't think that Andy Reid factor or, is going to be an issue. I think the Patrick Mahomes factor is the difference. I mean, we've never seen Andy Reid have a quarterback that's this good. And I get it. Mahomes is 23 years old. He's in his second year in the league. He doesn't play like it. And I get it. Belichick is Belichick. I just think the Patriots are a different team away from Gillette Stadium where you combine the playoff game. They went 9-0. and This game's an arrowhead. That's got to count for something. I, feel, I like the Chiefs to find a way to get it done. Don't feel great about it, but I do think the Chiefs are going to win the game.
0: And if you think about Patrick Mahomes, I mean, all the highlights that you see are kind of the exceptions, kind of the the juicy plays that I'm talking about that can maybe help them get over that hump. But realistically, where he's really racked up his stats of the MVP season he's put in so far, they've been in rhythm. They've been in the pocket. They've been a part of the offense. Even some of them have been a half-yard flip forward to Tyreek Hill, who just ran 40 yards up the seam. But... We see the no look pass, we see the seventy yard bombs down the field, but realistically, some of those may not exist in a snowy, freezing cold Kansas City on Sunday. Nonetheless, though, he has been extremely impressive in the pocket within this the the uh, flow of the offense. So I'm with you. I'm I'm going Kansas City here, and I'm also I'm going to go one step further. I'm actually picking them. Like, I'm picking Kansas City. I'll take them minus three, but I know me, I will buy it to two and a half and take it at minus 150 odds just because I'd rather I'd rather that than push on a three-point win. I, I do have confidence, though, in the Chiefs and the Patriots on the road. You can't count them out. Like you said, you never count them out until they're actually out. But I'm going Chiefs here, and I think Damian Williams has really proven he's not that much different than Kareem Hunt. Uh, he's been a very physical, abusing running back so far. And the defensive line, in a game where the Patriots are going to try to run the crap out of the ball, the defensive line looked fantastic last week for the Kansas City Chiefs. They abused what we thought of one of the best offensive lines in the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm pro-Chiefs. Their defense got a horrible rap, rightfully so, all year. But they showed up last week, and I expect them to do it again.
1: I don't. Th- I, I, I totally agree. And we talked about the Chiefs defense being a mess statistically at home in the regular season, their defense only allowed 19 points per game. So they play better at home. I think the cold weather, I don't think that's going to affect either team one way or another. I think both teams can play in the cold. So, you know, this game will come down to, to me, the advantage of being the home team and the fact that I trust Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to find a way to win that game at home. That's to me, is the difference in the game.
0: So we're both on the Chiefs here. It could be, that could be, really, which is probably not good. but yeah. we'll see. It could be really good or really bad. I mean, you know, like you said, we shall see. And that's always the best thing. You know, you, you spit out all these takes on uh, on air, on podcasts, on your show, whatever. And at the end, you just go, you know, well, but we'll see. <laughs>
1: yeah, nobody nobody knows anything at the end of the day. That's what makes sports fun
0: <laughs> for real. And that's why we love talking about it. And we have one more game to talk about: New Orleans Saints at home versus the Los Angeles Rams. Now, obviously, the Rams were the talk of the NFL for. Maybe the first half of the season, it was with Rams and Mahomes, and we were looking forward to that incredible Monday night matchup we had, 54-51, which the Rams came out on top. But they really did slow down in that second half of the season or maybe even a little after the second half, you know, like 12, 13 games in. Um, But they played really great last week against the Cowboys, especially running the ball offensively. It looked like they were going to win by a larger margin, but the Cowboys really fought, made it tighter, and obviously the Eagles played a hell of a game against the Saints until the end uh, where they couldn't score in the second half and the Saints really tightened up. So first impressions with the Saints also minus three. I think they're actually minus three and a half. What's your first impressions there?
1: You know, I said before the playoffs started, I like the Saints to get the Super Bowl because I don't see a, a team going into the Superdome and winning. But that was certainly put to the test last week when the Eagles were up 14 or nothing. And we're thinking, holy crap, this Nick Foles thing is happening again. That being said, I thought the saints last week showed why to me, they're the best team remaining out of the four that defense made plays, the special teams by our good friend, coach, Mike Westoff, coming out of retirement, helping on that big punt on fourth and one was a huge play in that game. And um, I just think you look at what we saw from drew Brees and the fact that he just knows how to make plays and win games. And that 23 play drive that took up the entire third quarter was a statement. And as good as the Rams are to me, going into new Orleans is a lot to ask for. I get it. It's tough to beat the same team twice in the same year, but I lean saints. If it's three and a half, I think I'd take the saints. If it keeps moving up, then maybe we'd start to consider the Rams. But I think, I think the value is taking the saints just because for what they've been able to do at home has been incredible.
0: And uh, this may be based off of truth or not. I don't know. You can tell me, but uh, when you see three and a half, it's almost like they're begging you to take the three and a half. Cause it's, you know, if they didn't think, if they didn't think it was that decided, they would leave it at three and just kind of leave it as a crapshoot. Give the home team three and, and call it that. But calling it three and a half, they're like, oh, it's, you want that three points? You know, you could win if they only win by three. Exactly. Yeah, maybe maybe you a little what you should
1: bit. do is take the Saints line from three and a half. You buy it down to three just to be safe, and then you take New Orleans if you think they're going to win the game.
0: And we know from our last conversation, I'm a point buyer, man. I buy those points because you know what? They may not help you all the time, but when it helps you. Oh, it, it feels, feels great, good, right? It feels Doesn't good. It, feel great? <laughs> it feels great. I'll really tell you
1: good. what. I, I will give you a perfect example. I'll always remember this. The line in that Rams Chiefs Monday Night game, 54-51, was three. I had the Rams. I bought it from three to two and a half. I won. It's it's Boom. worth it.
0: Boom. I was also very proudly on the other side of uh, that Cowboys. Uh, back oh the seahawks backdoor cover when the cowboys oh that killed <laughs> me I was
1: on the Cowboys too that oh, killed me
0: I was on the Seahawks side of that it felt great I saw those videos from Barstool and whatnot on Instagram with Cowboys fans freaking out and I was like yes this is great. Uh, yeah it's
1: it's, it's <laughs> terrible. You gotta buy the points man. I'm, I'm in, i in I am in the the Pete Kennedy school of point buying you got to do it. Get it.
0: I like that I like that uh title there too. But back to this game here it comes down to can the Rams run the ball, right? I don't think we're going to expect Jared Goff to win this game. I think that's fair to say. If they're going to win this game, it's going to be Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson and this defense coming out and uh, putting some pressure on Drew Brees, getting him off his spots. Because uh, what we know happens when Drew Brees has a little bit of time, he finds Michael Thomas about 12 times a game for 150 yards and a touchdown. And that just becomes hard to stop when this dude Michael Thomas is having huge uh, first downs on whether whether it be a, a long third down conversion or early on first and second down. Michael Thomas is a first down machine. you said DeAndre Hopkins might be the best receiver in the league. Michael Thomas might have something to say about that.
1: Uh, He's in that conversation for sure. I mean, Thomas is. I mean, he took over that game. That was so impressive what he did in, in the in that Eagles game. Literally in the second half, he, he just he was unguardable. It was amazing.
0: It was incredible. And you see, the, you see the speech by any chance? Drew Brees' pregame speech. He was in the little. No, hole. I,
1: I I didn't see it.
0: Well, it was it was great, uh, vintage Drew Brees, just making you want to run through a wall. And Michael Thomas was right behind him, right in line of the camera. Just looked like a possessed man, ready to do whatever he had to do, and he pretty much did. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of feeling though. There's a couple banged up players on the Saints defense. Uh, I think the Saints DBs really did a good job of pressing the Eagles uh, receivers and making them uncomfortable in the second half. I don't think that'll happen as much if the Rams can run the ball because the Eagles' run game just isn't what the Rams could be. So I actually like the Rams here. Uh, Take the points. I think they have a legitimate chance to win outright. You look at uh, Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson, just 100-plus yards on the ground, control the clock, take Drew Brees out of the game, and I think they have a chance to hold on because this this Saints team, I don't know if uh, they changed a ton, but maybe last year they changed from this – you know, high-powered, just run and gun, putting up 40 points and giving up 38 points to a team with a tough defense, a legitimate run game with Kamara and Ingram, and they're not really the high-flying offense. So, if they can keep, if the Rams can keep the ball away from them? I kind of like the Rams here.
1: I, I I agree. I think they have a chance to win. I just think the home field factor is so big in New Orleans, that dome environment. It's going to be tough. And can the Rams win? They absolutely can. I think the Rams are a great team. They really are. They're going to be in the conversation for a long time with Goff and McVay. To me, the Saints have just been the best team, really, for outside of from week two on. Remember week one, they lost to the Bucks. since then. You know, it's just kind of been, you know, the Saints being in that conversation. And because they have Breeze, I think this is the best team Breeze has been on since they won the Super Bowl in 09. I like the Saints, but that's what's great about this weekend, because I think the matchups, Really could go either way. I don't think. I think if I told you, you know, we're going to get, you know, Patriots and Rams in the Super Bowl, would you be surprised? I don't think you'd be that surprised. I just think it's very evenly matched in both the NFC and the AFC, which is great. It should be an awesome weekend.
0: And if you think about the spreads, like we were talking about before, you know, they always say three points to the home team. So that really means that neutral site, these teams are about as even as could be. So that makes for a great weekend. Uh, Jake, you have any last thoughts on the championship weekend before we start
1: to close this thing out? Anybody but New England. So, Chiefs, please get it done. If not, we're going to need the Rams and the Saints, whichever team wins, to step up. I I am so disgusted with the Patriots and the Super Bowl. I'm fortunate enough, Pete. SB Nation is sending me to Radio Row this year in Atlanta, and I'm and I'm going to be there for the game.
0: But the last two
1: years, I've been at Radio Row. It's been in Houston. I saw the Patriots and the Falcons. I was there. I last year I was in Minneapolis. I saw the Patriots and the Eagles. Thank God the Eagles won. But I'm so sick and tired of talking about the Patriots every single year. And then when you actually have to do a talk show and talk about them for the entire week, believe me, I'm not I'm not feeling too bad for myself. It's a lot of fun. But it's just like it'd be nice to talk about Patrick Mahomes in the game instead of Tom Brady. That's that's all I'm asking for here, people. Come on.
0: Well, as an employee of CBS, I might have to also add though, as exciting as Mahomes would be, I I think I think the higher ups at CBS wouldn't mind seeing the Pats there again. I'm just just gonna say that.
1: You're right. I think uh, the Patriots Saints would probably be the highest rated game that we could get out of the four matchups. But I'll tell you what, if Mahomes is in the game, that the ratings will still be off the charts.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. All right. It's it's, it's the highest rated program every year by an absolute long shot.
1: It for not sure. Yeah. If People are gonna watch. It's football. It's the Super Bowl. We love it. The and whole uh, thing.
0: yeah, when are you when are you doing your show on Radio Row?
1: Nothing. I will be there um, starting Monday, the 27th and I'll be covering media night for our station, but starting that Tuesday. So that is the 28th. I think I think it's it's Tuesday, the 28th. I'll be live doing my show. It will be a special two hour edition. Of, oh yeah. It would be called the Jake Admin show that week. It will be from six to eight Eastern time on SB nation radio. Be taping interviews throughout the day with all the big athletes and celebrities that will be at radio row. So air them all on my show that night. So, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. And it's good. It always produces great content that week. So, you know, as a sports radio junkie to to get every radio station in the country together that week, it's an absolute blast. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Now that's fantastic. And I'm jealous that I'll be, I'll be up North in the, in the cold weather, just waiting for Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> we're, well, we're one actually, day, man. I'll be, at, day, the fa- I'll be at the Met fan Apple on Saturday. Again. Yeah. I'll be at the fan on Saturday, but that ain't radio. Real, I'll tell you that much. Uh, wh- where can they find your show? I know I said it before SBNationRadio.com, but where else can they find your show?
1: Yeah, so if anyone's listening that's in a market where we have an SB Nation Radio affiliate, that'd be great. Um, you know, our biggest cities are Las Vegas, Tulsa, Phoenix, um, Tallahassee. I mean, I could. There's a lot of affiliates, but the easiest thing I tell people to listen in on is, as you said, com, Just click Listen Live and download the SB Nation Radio app. It's super easy to use. You literally download it, and you press play, it instantly plays the uh, the station feed. So. You can listen on the app. You can listen on com. or if you miss any of the show, The Power Hour, it's podcasted. Just search Jake Asman Show on iTunes, and you can listen right on your phone.
0: And you could also follow him on Twitter at Jake Aspen and Instagram at Jake Aspen to find out all that stuff all the time and be, re- be reminded of it. Uh, Jake, this was an absolute blast. Let's make sure the next time you're here isn't with this much space in between.
1: That is true. Next time we do this, it will be a lot sooner. And I always love coming on, Pete. So happy to do it anytime you need me.
0: And yo, if you ever need that NBA draft guru, I'm taking. I'm using your words, not mine. I'm gonna be ready for you.
1: Listen, Pete. A lot of people don't know, but Pete, when I was doing a morning show at a uh, internet station on in Long Island called Sports On The Go One Radio, Pete came on to talk about the NBA draft, and he was spitting some fire takes. It was exactly what the audience wanted that morning. It was tremendous. We will have to do it again, but this time. On national radio. Oh, that's
0: what I'm talking about. It may not be what they wanted to hear, Jake. It's what they needed to hear.
1: They need it. Yeah, of course, they need it. Everyone needs a little Pete Kennedy.
0: The Luka Doncic takes were strong, and I'm proud. I'm very proud. Also, you nailed it. Hey, you nailed it. Kevin Knox looking pretty good as, as well. But Jake Aspen, at Jake Aspen on Twitter and Instagram. Find his show on SBNationRadio.com, Spnation Radio app. The Power Hour with Jake Asman. This has been a Power Hour here on the Sports Blog New York Podcast. I'm Pete Kennedy, and shout out to you. Jake, thanks for coming on.